0: just go to Luke chapter 2. We're here for one reason. There was an incredible event and it was the birth of Jesus Christ, the greatest event in the history of the world. And I want to go to Luke chapter 2 and and read about that event and just want to do a little bit of commentary on it here and there and then we're going to light those candles. But I want you to know that we're here tonight because of him and only because of him. And we're not just here, but there's believers, people whose lives have been changed all over the world because of Jesus Christ. Well, Luke writes the birth of, about the birth of Jesus, at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius, never name your child Quirinius because you can't say it, was governor of Syria, and all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, mark that down, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. So he had to go to Bethlehem. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, his fiance, who was now obviously pregnant. Uh-oh. fiance, Pregnant. But not by men. Not by a normal relationship. But by God. That's the miracle of Christmas. It had been predicted over her, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And that holy thing that is conceived in you will be the Son of God. Can't water that down. Can't ignore it. To approach Christmas is to approach a miracle. In fact, to approach Jesus is to approach a miracle, a virgin's womb, an empty tomb. So, it goes on to say, and while they were there, time came for her baby to be born, and she gave birth to her first child, a son. Now, I want to just stop a minute. And I want to point out something. Notice that we see here God's sovereignty powerfully displayed because what looked like a simple governmental edict, they must take part in a census. They had to, but that governmental edict really made by an evil emperor, a, an evil Caesar, was actually prophecy being fulfilled by a sovereign God. The Bible says that The heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord, and as the rivers of water, he turns it whithersoever he will. And so sovereignty was at work here. Well, Mary, we've got to go to Bethlehem. But God was saying, I have predicted, I have prophesied through my prophet Micah centuries ago that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Micah 5, verse 2 says, But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, Yet out of you shall he, capital H, come forth, whose goings have been of old, even from everlasting. Catch that. He's saying that Micah prophesied that an eternal personality, whose goings have been from everlasting. There was no beginning of him. He was not ever born or created, but an eternal personality personality would invade the world via Bethlehem out of you shall come forth to me the one who is to be ruler of Israel so when they heard well we got to go to Bethlehem and I'm great with child but we still have to go it was the sovereignty of God and right now as we sit here tonight the sovereignty of God is at work and in control in our world no matter how it looks he's in charge Now Luke continues the Christmas account revealing a second major prophecy fulfilled out of Isaiah that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Let's read the prophecy first. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. What's the sign? Behold, the virgin shall conceive. Right there. It must be a miracle. The virgin shall conceive and she will bear a son and will call his name Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. Now, the fulfillment happened right here. While they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them in the inn. And basically a manger was a feeding trough, a feeding trough for cattle. No room in the inn, and so Jesus was born out back in a hotel with no vacancy and born in a feeding trough with only a few cattle watching, the stars twinkling by night, cold, dirty, lonely. And then Luke next reveals an appearance of angels to a group of shepherds. And it says, the shepherds and angels, that night there were shepherds uh, staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded these shepherds. And of course, naturally, they were terrified because this was a supernatural manifestation that suddenly confronted them. And they said to these men, these shepherds, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Wow. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger in a feeding trough. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of other angels and the armies of heaven is who they were, praising God and saying, read it with me, everybody, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village. And they found Mary, and they found Joseph, and there was the baby, supernaturally conceived. God-man, man-God, all God, all man, all man, all God. No one like it ever in the history of the world. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart. The word for kept there is from a Greek word, meaning she watched over it like it was locked in a safe for safekeeping. She protected that word and thought about those words often. Well, the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen and it was just like the angel had told them. Now think about this for a minute. These are only three of over 300 Bible prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. If you go to the Old Testament, you would find somewhere around 350 predictions, prophecies, foretellings of the future about one called the Messiah the Savior, Emmanuel, who would come and deliver and heal and forgive, bind up broken hearts, proclaim liberty to those that are bound up, opening of the prison doors to those that are locked up in bondage to some kind of sin. 350, and this was only three, the Old Testament books in the Bible, which were all written between 1450 B.C. and 430 B.C., contained hundreds of prophecies about an anointed one, Messiah in the Hebrew language, who would arrive in the future. This was only three of the prophecies. Keeping that in mind, I want you to think with me for a moment about the odds of all this happening. Now, speaking of odds, let me me talk to you about a little bit, you and me. The odds of something happening to you or me is very interesting. The odds of your being injured by a lightning strike on any given day are 1 in 250 million. Pretty good odds. But take that out to a lifetime, and they are 1 in 9,100. If it's your whole life, that's the odds. The odds that the average citizen of Washington, D.C., will get shot, stabbed, poisoned, or bludgeoned to death in the course of a year are 1 in 1,681. I'm not going to D.C., And so goes this thing called odds. But now, what about the odds for the life of Jesus? A number of years ago, Peter W. Stoner and Robert C. Newman wrote a book entitled Science Speaks. The book was based on the science of probability, or odds, and vouched for by the American Scientific Affiliation. It set out the odds of any one man in all of history fulfilling even only eight of the major prophecies fulfilled by the life of Christ. The probability that Jesus of Nazareth, they concluded, scientists concluded, could have fulfilled that Jesus Christ, could have fulfilled even eight of the major prophecies about him, would be only one in ten to the 17th power. That is one followed by 17 zeros. Now, a million has six zeros. A billion has nine zeros. A trillion, which we've all heard a lot about since we're now in $15 trillion of debt in America, has 12 zeros. To reach 17 zeros, we must utilize the rarely needed word quintillion. Stoner claims that if one possessed that many silver dollars, quintillion... It would be enough to cover the face of the entire state of Texas two feet deep. Those are the odds that Jesus would fulfill even eight of the major prophecies about him. Now, in closing, you know what that means? We're celebrating the greatest miraculous event in the history of the world tonight. The invasion of history by the God-man, Jesus Christ. Listen to what John said about him. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus had life, real life, spiritual life, life life-giving life. And it was the light. It was like light to men. Jesus was life, and he was light. And then Jesus turned around and told us that since we knew him and walked with him, and were his children and his disciples, he said, now, since I'm light, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine. Can you say that with me tonight? Let your light shine. What's Christmas all about? A lit God-man came into the world. And he lit us. And now he says, now you go light others. Because it's a dark world, desperate world, cruel world, and it's getting darker. But you know what? Those that love him are getting brighter. So the reason we're going to light candles tonight is because in a moment when we turn off the lights and these candles are lit, we're going to see what the church ought to look like. It ought to be a bunch of lit people who are carrying the light of Jesus into a dark world. So I'm going to ask my elders to come up here and we're going to light a candle. And here's what it means. Signifying that this new year to come here's what we're going to do. We're going to shine with his gospel, uncompromised, shine with his love, unprejudiced, and shine with his truth, undiluted. We're not just celebrating the birth of Jesus, but the fact that light came into the world. And those that sat in great darkness saw a light. And then that light has lit us. So if the elders would please come up, I want to I'm going to light this candle and then they're going to light the deacons candles and the deacons are going to help all of your candles to be lit and this is a real good picture of what it means to lead somebody to Christ hey do you know that Jesus is real have you accepted accepted Christ into your life and he says amen now look he's lit that's the way it ought to be going on everybody say with me I'm contagious with the light of jesus so here's the candles now if the deacons would come up and they're going to light your candle at the beginning of each row and then we're going to hold them up and this ought to be a picture of what the church looks like in 2012 so let's sing silent night can you? There's the church. That's the church. Amen. Because the head of the church, Jesus Christ, is a light. I want you to notice a couple of quick things before the wax hits the floor. One, when you got a light, a candle, and it's lit, you can't hide it. No man lights a candle and puts it under a bushel but on a candlestick that it gives light to all that are in the house. Now, second, it illuminates everything around you, brings to light what would not be exposed. That's the light. And Jesus is in you and he has lit you just like this. You're not an answer, or rather, not a question mark, but you're an answer. You're an exclamation point. God wants us to go out and spread the light, and we're gonna do that in 2012. Let me pray for you, and then we'll blow them out. Father, every person in this room, I pray that this year of 2012, that's just about here, we will reach more people than we've ever reached, that many, many, many thousands will be lit with the light of Christ like those here tonight. Help us to do it, Lord undistracted, unperturbed, keeping our vision like a laser and walking in your purpose for us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can blow the candle out and thank you. And they are to do what with them, ushers, tell me? All right, there's a box back there. Real quickly. Now, for you guests, this has nothing to do with you, but, there, but for our own church members, if you did want to participate in year-end giving, all I'm going to say about it is, there's going to be ushers at the door if you want to drop something in. That's great, but you guests, this is not for you. We just want to be a blessing to you. We appreciate, appreciate you being here at Turning Point, And I pray you have a Merry Christmas. And now, Kathy is going to share something. Well, we we just wanted to wish all of you a Merry Christmas and let you know how much we love you and appreciate each one of you. Many of you have sent us Christmas greetings and cards, and we thank you for that.